Have you ever tried to convince someone of something? And how'd that go? Were you believed? Or did you find yourself having to give more information to prove your point and ended up in frustration because they just wouldn't listen? Well, today's discussion involves a woman who has a name and then several unnamed women and men who may have not taken her witness very seriously. We're going to discuss her story today and find out how it applies to us and our situation. Welcome to another episode of Unnamed Women of the New Testament, a special bonus series from the Sunday on Monday podcast brought to you by LDS Living and Deseret Bookshelf Plus. The Sunday on Monday podcast is a Come Follow Me podcast. It's where we take the Come Follow Me lesson for the week and we really dig into the scriptures. So if you want to know more about that podcast, click in the link in our description or you can go to LDS Living slash Sunday on Monday and sign up for a free 30-day trial of Desert Bookshelf Plus, where you're going to get the entire Bookshelf Plus library. So go check that out. You can start your free trial at DesertBook.com slash Sunday on Monday. Now, my favorite thing about the Sunday on Monday podcast and the bonus series is I get to invite friends to join me each week and we discuss the scriptures together. And today, my guest and co-host for this series of Unnamed Women of the New Testament is Camille Frank Olson. Oh, hello, Camille. Hello. How are okay. you? Oh, well, I'm always so good to see you because you're one of my favorite people. And here's why. For those of you listening, Camille has paid the price to know about women in scripture. She's a former professor from BYU, and she has written several books, two of which I adore and use all the time, which is Women of the New Testament and Women of the Old Testament. And it is an absolute must for everybody. Everybody who studies the scriptures, you want to know about the women. And so, Camille, I just appreciate that she brings her knowledge, her feelings, her experiences, and sometimes we bring a little bit of sense of humor to the table. So, how can we not, right, when we discuss these stories of women? Exactly. They're real. They are very real, and therefore we relate to them. Yes. And for sure, today's woman, I felt like, was very relatable. Have you ever tried to convince people of something? Have you ever had that experience and they didn't believe you? Um, I'm sure I have. I mean, that's just part of living life, right? And especially, I think maybe even more so, um, me as a woman trying to convince a whole group of men to consider my way of thinking. Oh, absolutely. That didn't always, that didn't always go down well. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That is true. Uh, Camille, you will appreciate this because I spoke at Education Week. And a lot of people came up and said, I'd never considered that before, or I've never read it that way before. And I said, oh, because you just had a woman's perspective, that's all. Mm -hmm. And how much different a woman's perspective can change scripture. Like we need women's voices, right? Yes. Well, I even had to call Camille and say, am I getting this right? Because some of the stuff that I've read seems to be a little bit different than how I'm perceiving it. And it made me so happy when I was on par with how Camille felt about those scriptures. So. Oh, good. Thank good. you for your time. Two of us think that way anyway. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. By the way, it turned out so well. It was one of the best talks. I, I got more response from people about the five Marys than any talk I've ever given. They loved the perspective on, especially when you taught me how to say like, it could be this or it could be this. You have to decide. So thank you for that. Good. Good. That's great. That it worked. Yeah, totally worked. It was so good. Okay, so we are going to dig into a story about a woman, and she is found in Acts chapter 12. So let's go there. We're in Acts chapter 12, and I'm going to give you a little bit of background leading up to the woman that we're going to talk about. 
And then I'm going to turn the time over to Camille. So here's what you want to know. In Acts chapter 12, so the Savior has been resurrected. He's visited with the apostles. We've had the day of Pentecost happen. And now the work of the ministry is going forward. And in Acts chapter 12, we're introduced to a man, says, Now at the time of Herod the king, he stretched forth his hands to vex certain members of the church. And it says in verse 2, he killed James, the brother of John. This is James of Peter, James, and John. Now this Herod, if you're wondering who it is, Herod is the brother of Herodias. He is the grandson of Herod the Great that killed all the babies at the time of Jesus when he was a little baby. So that's context for who this person is. And he kills James. And then it strikes me in verse three, because he saw it please the Jews. Like he's like, oh, look at the, they love me for doing this. So he decided, you know what? I'm going to kill more. Like, let's kill Peter also. But he has one small problem. He can't do it because it's Easter or the Feast of Unleavened Bread or Passover, as we know it. And so he decides, you know what, as soon as Passover is over, then I'll go ahead and take care of Peter. So he imprisons Peter. Now the saints, the believers at this time, find out that Peter's in jail, and they are just so torn. They are so sad. Acts chapter 12, verse 5 gives us some information about what the saints are doing at this time. Camille, will you read verse 5 for us? Yes. Peter, therefore, was kept in prison, but prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. Okay. So I've highlighted prayer was made without ceasing. Highlight that. And then in your scriptures, you're going to want to draw a line across the page over up and connect it to verse 12, because that verse tells us a little bit about these prayers. So prayer is made without ceasing. And then we get to 12. Where were the prayers being made is significant and the storyline that happens. So prayers are being made. Let's read verse 12, and then we'll kind of go back a little bit to Peter. So Camille, will you read verse 12 for us? Mm -hmm. And when he had considered the thing, this is talking about Peter, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. So this is probably the Mark that is the author of the Gospel of Mark. Yes. And they're at his mother's house, whose name is Mary. And therefore, probably a large enough house for them, a a group of people, which would be, you know, probably among the Christians, she probably had the largest home that most accommodated more people than others. Well, and this is neat. What can we kind of infer by the fact in verse 12 that it says the house of Mary. That she, there's not a husband there. It's her home Mm -hmm. instead of her husband's home. Yes. And she is using it for good. Mm -hmm. They are there together. Many were gathered together praying. Okay. We're going to pause in that story for just a second. So they're praying, but above that in verse 12, it said that when he considered this thing and we learned that that was Peter. So here's what you need to know. Back in verse six, Peter's in prison. And in that night, the story is so great that he's sleeping between two soldiers and then an angel of the Lord comes to him, frees him and says, I love how he says to Peter, look, get up, let's go. (laughs) Hurry, get up, don't delay, get up quickly, he says in verse seven, you're getting out of here. And Peter gets up, but he kind of thinks maybe he's having a vision, like, is this for real or am I in a dream? Oh, it's for real, all right. And so he gets up and runs out of the prison. 
the dream comment comes in verse nine. And then in verse 11, when Peter was come to himself, like when he's like, oh, wait a minute, this is real. He says, now I know of a surety that the Lord hath sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. So he knows he's free. So he is running as fast as he can. And he runs to the house of Mary, where many had been gathered together praying. Now, Camille, I'm going to turn this part of the story over to you. So hit it and tell us what happened at the house of Mary. Yeah. Can I do one little thing just before Please. we just before we leave Peter and, and James, who has just been killed? I just think this is a great place. Um, and that maybe the Mary and the group of people that are there praying will have to grapple with. Because James and Peter are both apostles. They are both chosen initially by Jesus, have been followers of his from throughout his ministry. They're both incredibly good, faithful, diligent disciples of Jesus Christ. One of them is killed by the king. The other one, an angel frees and lets him go. Um. How often do we have situations in our lives where we pray for the escape or safety or recovery of a loved one and our loved one doesn't make it, but mm-hmm. someone else's loved one does? And and the tendency to say, well, we must not be as righteous or the person we're praying for wasn't as righteous or something. I think this is an inc- this is a real life kind of story where it tells you bad things happen to good people and miracles happen to good people. And mm-hmm. um, they're both happening simultaneously here. And the members of, of the Christians that are there praying will need to grapple with that and not say Peter is better than James because Peter was rescued and James wasn't. Well, that is such a great perspective. And I'm so thankful that you shared that because you're right. It is so real and it gets real here for the saints because Mm -hmm. I'm imagining too, that they're thinking, here we go. Like the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to spread forth and the Lord's going to protect us. And we have a living prophet who will guide us. And it didn't turn out like they thought. I mean, they have this day of Pentecost, this awesome experience, and all of a sudden, ugh, like, yeah, apostles killed, not just died, but is murdered. And yeah, yeah, and and just to to make points with the Jews, right? There's nothing he has done to deserve nope. anything like that. He's gone about doing good. Yeah, this yeah. is real life. This is mortal life. This is fallen world. Definitely. Oh, I like how you put that. I'm writing that in my scriptures. Hold, please. This is Fallen World. Okay. So tell us about Peter then. He ends up at the house of Mary. Yes. Which I think is so cool. He must have, I mean, he must have known where she lived. He had, this is so cool. Yeah. And, and known, I don't know, you know, does he feel and recognize that the saints will be praying for him? And where would they be? Um, I think this tells you that probably Mary's house was a gathering place very often for the saints. Mm-hmm. And so he goes there. And we know it's most likely late at night. Why? He had been sleeping. Right. And 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 here at verse 13, Peter comes and knocks at the door of the gate of Mary's house. And there's... um. 
it, we, she simply introduced a damsel named Rhoda. Um, damsel, this would be like a maidservant or even um, more accurately in Greek is really slave. I mean, this mm-hmm. this was more well-to-do people had slaves that helped them. And it was less common among the Jews, but still did occur. And Rhoda is there serving in Mary's home. Another evidence that it was probably a larger or a better to do family. Mm-hmm. And it, even if it's imagine it late at night, she is still on duty, so to speak. It seems like, but, but maybe one other thing, it, when um, the head of a household has changes religion, the whole household adopts that religion. And so you would see always the servants mm-hmm. in a home follow the same religious um, practices as the the head of the house, the master. I'm so glad you brought that up because we see the same story with Lydia, the seller of purple yes. in her yes. whole household. So yes. I'm grateful. You're absolutely right that they would have followed suit with that. Right. Which is interesting because you wonder, did they believe or did they just follow because they were told to believe? So kind of how that in the back of your mind as we're hearing this story, because here's this little damsel. And we, I think some scholars believe she would have been fairly young, not like in her 20s, but kind of just a young gal. Yeah. I mean, the the, the term damsel seems to mm-hmm. suggest a younger woman. Right. And and she's ready I mean, she's praying there with them. So I think you can see she's practicing in this faith. And I love this. Um, she's oftentimes referred to as scatterbrained and saying, what a stupid story. I <laughs> love Rhoda. And and we just have to posit her name real quick because it's so funny when I say the name Rhoda in scripture, people will be like, there's a Rhoda in scripture. <laughs> Some of us who are older think, Oh, I love that TV show in the seventies. <laughs> Rhoda. So this is really cool. Like here's her name, Rhoda. It is such a good story. Okay. Yeah, sorry. Carry on. Her name. And she goes, she hears the knock. She goes to the door, but she hasn't opened it. And, and verse 14 of chapter 12. When she knew Peter's voice, she opened not the gate for gladness, but ran in and told how Peter stood before the gate. Now, I just, I just think this is an important thing. They've been praying for his, his safety, for his, um, release from prison. And she hears his voice. She knows his voice. Doesn't that tell you something about Rhoda? Yes. She's been around. She's heard him teach. She hears his voice and she is so thrilled. It's like it happened. The miracle happened. We've been praying for this. He's there. And she doesn't open the door. She instead goes back and tells everyone else, he's here. He's here. <laughs> and and the answer she gets from this group, verse 15, thou art mad. But she kept saying, no, no, no. I know it's him. And so the second thing, either she's crazy or it's just his, it says in here, it's translated, it's his angel, probably something like it's just his spirit. You can just feel his, mm-hmm. his presence. And in the meantime, Peter's still knocking, you know, <laughs> let me in, let me in. <laughs> so, so still they must have heard the knocking and they're, they're arguing, who is it? Who is it? And she is so adamant. Now I think there's something else here. And that is she's a servant. And, and mm-hmm. 
you know, she doesn't maybe have the social status. She definitely doesn't have the social status of many others there, especially Mary, um, the homeowner. But there's something she has gained by becoming a Christian, I think. And that is she believes she is free to give her voice Mm -hmm. and her witness. Um, And in that way, as a Christian, she has rights and freedoms that she probably wouldn't have as a servant or a slave. Now, that's so interesting to me. I've never considered. Camille, I really like that you just said that because we've talked in past episodes about how women at the time of Christ, they, first of all, you're a woman. Here, she's a young woman. And so it was tradition to not believe women or even allow for a woman to be a witness in a court of law. Their witnesses were not taken seriously at all. Their opinions weren't asked. And from what I'm hearing you say is that Christianity reformed that. Christianity gave women a place to speak. I love that. That, 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 that there wow. is, you know, that all, um, all are loved and have place and importance in the eyes of God. And there's no difference. It's going to come. It's not, oh, it has just happened in chapter 10 that Peter mm-hmm. is learning that Jew or Gentile, it doesn't make it, God sees us all, men and women, bond or free, um, black or white. It doesn't, you know, it is all. Um, yes. These are all beloved of God. Well, and for anyone that thinks when you later on, when you read Paul's writings, and it talks about how women are not supposed to speak out loud or publicly and all of that, my understanding of those verses is not that women shouldn't speak. It's more women shouldn't usurp authority or try to be in control of just, yeah, like it's, it's a, it's not like women shouldn't talk at all. It's, it's more, it's bigger is what he's trying to teach. So yeah, women do have a voice in Christianity. Yeah. Yeah. In that same first Corinthians epistle, just three chapters earlier, he's talking about women praying and Mm -hmm. prophesying or testifying, teaching. And, and so of course they've got a voice. Um, You've got to look at it in the context and, And there were some chief women who were baptized, not like Rhoda. But when we get the Gentiles coming in, we've got some real high-powered women. And I think they would have to learn a whole different way of, of, of reverence in a, in a sacred setting Mm -hmm. to not want to take over sometimes. (laughs) And that might have happened too. So you get all cut. This is a new experience for everyone to learn this place of coming together to worship Christ and that each one has a voice. Mm. Thank you. And by the way, I have a lot to say on this. And so I wrote a kind of like an article about it. You can find it on our Sunday on Monday homepage on Facebook. So go to Facebook and just look up Sunday on Monday, join the group, and then you can go read what I have to say about Paul and then some of people's comments, as well as things throughout the week that people like to share from studying the scriptures. It's pretty awesome. So... Yeah, I mean, she continued, you know, she's there. No, no, Peter's still knocking in verse 16. And then they open the door. And I think it's interesting. And I don't know. I mean, it doesn't say specifically he's talking while he's knocking. But Rhoda knew it was Peter without seeing. They open the door and then see it's Peter. And then they go, oh, yes, it is him. Um. I just, 
I, I like to just look at Rhoda again as an evidence of believing without seeing and mm. trusting and knowing with such fervency that he is there even before she opened the door. Absolutely. Well, yeah. we just, and we have to mark the verse 15. I really love the wording in verse 15 when it talks about how Rhoda went back to them and they said, to Rhoda, you're mad, you're crazy. And I just love this wording. But she constantly affirmed that it was even so. Like she constantly affirmed. That strikes me. Like that yeah. constant word. She was so sure. <laughs> Think about Hebrews 11.1, 1, that the definition of faith that is there, especially with the Joseph Smith translation, the assurance of things that are hoped for, but not seen. Yeah. You're so sure you act as though it, it were completely obvious. And that's how she, she, she has that incredible faith she knows and she testifies with that fervency. So, yeah. And then when they do, they go, Oh, great. Bring him in. And, and I just think maybe we should say there in verse 17, he beckoning unto them with the hand to hold their peace, declared unto them how the Lord had brought him out of prison. And he said, go show these things unto James and to the brethren. And you can read that and go, well, but James was killed. That was back there in verse two. He's mm -hmm. gone. And so where we see lots of Marys in the New Testament, there are also lots of Jameses. And so that's where you have to pick up. We've got a different James now that mm -hmm. is becoming much more important here. It appears that this one is Jesus's half brother that we are going to see become a leader in the church among the apostles and very much, uh, especially there in Jerusalem, taking a responsibility. So, yeah. Well, and I'm grateful that you brought up James. In fact, that's the thing that struck me as I was reading it this, this next time as we were preparing for this episode is that James struck me as the brother of Jesus because he didn't believe in Christ when he was, when Jesus was on the earth. He was very dismissed from what we understand, like dismissive, didn't believe. Now he's a believer. And then when you go to the book of James, this really struck me because in James chapter five, he writes in verses 13 through 18, the most beautiful verses about prayer and the power of prayer and when you can pray and why you should pray. And then we get verse 16, James chapter five, verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that ye may be healed. And here it is. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. I put woman in front of that because I think it's included. So the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous woman or man availeth much. And to me, that struck me because I thought, where did he learn that? Did he learn it from his mom, Mary, throughout his childhood and watched her pray? And then did he learn it from this moment right here where he was like, wait a minute, we just prayed and Peter was released. Our prayers worked. I wonder if this is where he gained his testimony of the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous people availeth much. Because that's a lot that it availed. Peter being freed. Wow. In such a miraculous and beyond their expectations that the, even, and I think, isn't that true about what happens so often we pray and and then when God answers us, so often it is beyond anything we imagined. And we go, no, wait, wait, this can't, how did that? And you go, no, we, we've we asked the 
omnipotent, omniscient um, God of all to help us? Why, why should we be surprised that he can do all things? And yeah. they see it here. Yeah. I, I think, um, this was a, a prayer and, and an experience that they would not soon forget. And I wonder if they would, um, also listen and appreciate testimonies of each other a little bit more after mm-hmm. this, after hearing hers. I'll, I'll tell you another one that I think of in this chapter, just with the context. Because you see, you started out with Herod. This is, yeah, Herod Agrippa the first, called King Herod. Um, we know the year 44 AD because at the end of the chapter, that Herod dies. And mm-hmm. we know from history, um, that's when Herod Agrippa the first died. But you get the most powerful personage in the land as far as society is concerned, the king. And then you get little Rhoda, who would be at the bottom end of the socioeconomic status ladder. And at the end, what do we see? Um, Herod dies in just this big, flashy puff of smoke about, you know. He's doing a great oration in apparel that from history we understand was maybe even sewn with silver in the thread so that it glittered in the sun. And then as the people gave a shout to him in verse 22, we're still in chapter 12 of Acts, verse 22, the people gave a shout saying, it's the voice of a God and not a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Because he gave not God the glory, and he was eaten of worms and gave up the ghost. I mean, it's a pretty, woof, gone. <laughs> but you see that so-called power of the world just dissipate. Right. And Rhoda and the cause of the Christian people in following Christ just get stronger and stronger and stronger. Um is a nice paradox in this chapter. Oh, it absolutely is. You know, Camille, one of the things I appreciated that you pointed out was how when you said the the God, the omnipotent, omniscient, all-powerful God can answer prayers, I was thinking, I wonder if their prayers were just simply, don't let Peter die. Mm-hmm. Like, I'd love to know what their prayers were, because that would be my my go-to would have been like, oh, please don't let him die. Please don't let him die. I don't know if I would have been brave enough to say, please let him escape from prison. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, that's why this story is so beautiful because maybe what they were praying for and then what they got was so different. And again, you go back to what you said, an all-powerful, omniscient, everything God who can do incredible things in our lives beyond anything we even imagined if we just go to him in prayer. The effectual, fervent prayers of righteous men and women really availeth much. How much? More than you could even imagine. That's I, I just made that when you said just made me think of Romans 8. Oh yes, read that one. Romans 8, let 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? But verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him for up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? I mean, you're thinking if he spared not his only beloved son, but was mm-hmm. willing to give us that, why do you think 
when we ask for what we do, which will never be as grandiose as that, that he would not deliver. Um, so who can separate us from the love of God? No. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. and even in that same chapter, I'm grateful you brought up Romans 8, because for anybody listening who is very unsure about the ability to pray, oh, yeah, not sure what they should pray for, Go ahead. Verse 26. Yeah, read it. Isn't that? And how many of us have been? But you just, I I don't have words to articulate. I don't know. I have this yearning. I have this just ache inside of me. Mm -hmm. And it says, likewise, the spirit, this is Romans 8, 26. Likewise, the spirit also helpeth our infirmities. When you talk about the way God blesses us and the way he gives us his spirit to support us and help us, even in this. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Um, that mm-hmm. interceding, that the spirit communicates this, these groans, this angst, this yearning that we have inside and communicates to our father in heaven um what we really need that we don't even quite recognize what it is yeah Yeah, it's truly a blessing such a blessing wow well let's just end with this quote this is from president nelson well elder nelson at the time october 2015 talk called a plea to my sisters and this just goes back to the idea of being a woman and knowing what to ask for and then being a rhoda where you constantly affirm and never never doubt the influence that you have as a woman when you can constantly affirm of what you know is true of your testimony of Jesus Christ. And here's what he had to say to us. He says, my dear sisters, whatever your calling, whatever your circumstance, we need your impressions, your insights, and your inspiration. We need you to speak up and speak out in ward and state councils. Married or single, you sisters possess distinctive capabilities and special intuition you have received as gifts from God. We brethren cannot duplicate your unique influence. And I think back to Rhoda, nobody could duplicate Rhoda's experience. No one did. (laughs) And so how powerful for us as women to hear that and think, okay, like going back to her story again, that verse constantly affirmed that it was even so. Um, you know things, you've received inspiration, you have gifts from God to be able to do that. So I, I think that quote is very powerful for us to understand. And, and I'll add one more. And there, please, how do we respond when we hear a prophet's voice? I think of Rhoda. Do we get this excited? Do we tune in and recognize the power inherent in a prophet's voice? Um, Rhoda did. Oh my gosh, Camille. I love that you just said that because it reminds me of when I was a little girl. Anytime the prophet spoke, I was like, oh, it's the prophet, it's the prophet. I even thought for sure that Ezra Tep Benson was going to tell us when the second coming was. So when I was little, Ready I used to just sit and tune right in. <laughs> you bet I did. Absolutely. And I make my kids tune right in. Anytime the prophet speaks, everybody were for sure listening to what the prophet speaks. But then I wonder as I got older, it's so easy to be cynical, isn't it? It's so easy or to hear a prophet and just be like, cavalier and yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe he doesn't really get it. I don't know. Like, Oh, I'm going to take this to heart from now on at general conference. I want to be as excited as Rhoda was 
when I hear the prophet's voice. That was awesome, Camille. Thank you so much for pointing that out. Okay, that was a great great discussion. So for those of you that are listening, I hope you loved Rona now as much as the two of us do. And her story is just so cute and powerful. It's I say cute because it's not many verses, but boy, those verses are packed with so much goodness. So go in and on your own, study Acts chapter 12, read about her and find out some things on your own. If you want to go to our Facebook and Instagram account, you can go there and maybe just share anything you're learning from these bonus episodes, because I would love to know what your take is on the story of Rhoda. So thank you for joining us, Camille. Thank you for those great thoughts and insights on the story of Rhoda. And thank you to everyone for joining us for another episode of Unnamed Women of the New Testament. The Sunday on Monday study group is a Desert Bookshop Plus original, and it's brought to you by LDS Living. It's written and hosted by me, Tammy Uzalak Hall. And today our just fabulous study group participant is Camille Frank Olson. Our podcast is produced by Cole Wissinger and me. It is edited by Cole Wissinger and recorded and mixed by Mix at Six Studios. Our executive producer is Aaron Hallstrom. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week. And please remember, all of you fabulous women, that you are God's favorite. <laughs>